Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney Magic. Whether they be singers, actors, imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. Are you looking to plan and book an upcoming Disney vacation? Contact the Tierra Talk Show's official travel agent, James from Destinations in Florida, by visiting destinationsinflorida.com backslash tiara for a free quote. The link is also included in the show notes on our website. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, actor Phil Morris, to the show. Welcome, Phil. Hey, Tammy. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing on post-Thanksgiving? <laughs> I'm actually very good. I just got off the tennis court, got to work off those pounds from the calories, the gravy. <laughs> the gravy is really what does it. People think it's the turkey. Uh-uh. It's the gravy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what it is for me, too. That and the mashed potatoes, both together. <laughs> the combo is just ridiculous. So uh, I'm so glad to have you on the show uh, to talk about Atlantis because it, it has its upcoming 15th anniversary, which is wow. pretty pretty wild. You know, it's been 15 years since the movie came out, and it did very well at the box office, and it almost spawned a TV show, which we'll get to in a second. But I really wanted to talk about when you first were involved with the project was it from the very beginning or was it later on post-production or oh no it was right from the beginning how i got involved and i don't know if we discussed this last time because we had a couple other guys on but um i had been known to don Hahn and disney from the legend of mulan i came in and did the scratch track which is the animators preparatory um work for um, for the film and and you know in light of in, in lieu of getting Eddie Murphy who ended up doing the the Mushu character that I did the scratch track for they get actors like me who come in and approximate what an Eddie Murphy would do uh, so they can get started because the, the 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 time consideration is so great and the workload is so intense for the animators um, they can't kind of wait for the main talent sometimes so they they knew me from that I came in and did did all the movie of of the Legend of of uh, Mulan prior to Atlantis. So I was on their radar. And um, I came in to do another scratch track for Atlantis. And it was just like a real early prep track for the animators. And I said to them at the time, I said, well, you know, if you don't find a Morgan Freeman or a Danny Glover, give your boy a call. <laughs> you know, And um, <laughs> literally, like maybe a month, I don't even know the time frame, but about a month or so after that, they called and said, hey, you're the guy. You know, you're Dr. Sweet in Atlantis. I was like, what? So um, that's how I got involved. So yeah, I was involved from the early, early days. Were they showing you animation as you were going along, or did you see this after most of the majority of the voiceover was recorded for this? After most of the voiceover was recorded, they, they would um, show us 
Um, Ron Husband was my was my animator, my specific animator. So they would show us the character studies and the different um, um, views of the character that Ron had drawn for me. So they had a big board up with all of Dr. Sweet's expressions and and then they would film me as I was shooting, as I was recording, and then they would incorporate my facial movements and, and the jaw. You see the jaw is mine and the smile is mine. And, and uh, so then the, when I would come back the next time, they would show another board of character views and it would look more like me as Dr. Sweet, which is brilliant. And this was a big deal because this was the first animated African-American male character in a, in a lead role in an animated Disney film. But prior they did John Henry, which was a short animated film the year right. before. When you're going into this, was there a lot of talk about this? And Because I remember there was a lot of promotion with Dr. Sweet. Not really. You know, the groundbreaking nature of Dr. Sweet wasn't really in my consciousness while doing it. I don't really think that we had conversation about that um, between all the, the directors, you know, Kirk and Gary and, and, uh, and Don. Um, uh, no, I, I just, th and I think it's better that we didn't consciously like play that in our heads, you know, might've, might've manipulated the performance in a way that would have been inorganic or, or the rollout of Dr. Sweet, Sweet in a way that was inorganic. It's never mentioned in the piece, you know, th thank goodness. And we just reflect on it because it is a groundbreaking step for Disney. It's a groundbreaking step for any major animation house to incorporate a, a major African-American character, whether it's male or female, uh, in their in their in, in their animation projects, and, you know they'd had voices before, and of course Uncle Remus was a real live character in the Song of the South. I know my Disney people, so no, but 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 I'm very very happy and proud to be you know having voiced Doctor Sweet and have him take that place in the Disney pantheon of characters. Now I, I would assume that during this time, from what I have researched, that usually it was everybody in their own recording booth by themselves. And now nowadays it's more of they like to have everybody riff off of one another. So mm -hmm. did you get a chance to work with Corey Burden or any of the other cast members? Or it was just me. I never. I never, the only person I even saw other than me during my recording was Jim Varney, who I met outside of um, the recording studio. But it was all just, just my character, and um, they would, they being the directors, would inform me how uh, Michael J. had done Milo and had done this scene, or, or how Jacqueline had done hers, or how Corey had done his, or, you know, so they would let me know uh, the history of, of the scene, but I didn't play opposite anybody ever. Um, which is unique because I do a lot of animation and, and, and you're right, most of it, especially in television, is done as a group in an ensemble uh, uh, format so that you can riff off of one another. You have to clear for lines and stuff like that, audio-wise, uh, but, but you know, the energy in the room is always a gas. It's always a lot of fun to have a lot of people who are in there, especially if they're great improvisers, um, to riff off that. And, and we never really improvised lines in this movie because the writing was so solid. And, you know, just getting back to what you said about the multi-ethnicity and diversity of the cast, that made it, to me, a brilliant film. You know, it's an action-adventure film. You know, it's their attempt at, at visiting Adventureland, which Disney doesn't do a whole lot of. So it was new for them, and it possibly was a little ahead of its time, which is why it maybe didn't get the, to me, in my opinion, the kind of real emphasis and, and uh, interest that it should have. And now it is. Because people now in reflection are seeing, wow, what an interesting cast of characters, what an interesting rollout, what an interesting adventure, what an interesting parable for all of human 
you know, kind of existence right now and coexistence. And it's a really interesting movie. So I hope people continue their passion for this movie. You mentioned Jim Varney, and, and it was very, very sad because he didn't even get to see the entire film uh, mm. completed. He passed mm. away. What was it like to talk to him for a little bit? And, and uh, you know, besides him being cookie, of course, you know, he, he, he just seemed like a really nice person from the behind-the-scenes feature that I did see. Well, Jim's, you know, Jim's whole uh, reputation and his whole um, vibe was as this kind of everyman uh, character who gets caught up in these crazy situations. So... So to bring that to that, and certainly Jim was an incredibly intelligent, bright man, he was just a regular cat. I mean, I literally saw him outside of the studio, he was sitting on the bench before his session or after his session, I forgot, smoking a cigarette, you know, and then just, how you doing, kid? And I'm like, I'm great. No, man, it's it's great to meet you. And uh, we we chatted a little bit about what we were doing and and how special it was and and how kind of cool it was and how cool each of our characters were. You know, he loved his he loved Cookie, and you can hear it when when you watch the movie. And I love Doctor Sweet, and you can hear it when you watch the movie. So to talk to him a little bit about those characters uh, prior to going into my session, you know, was a treat. And then you know, losing him, you know, year I think shortly after we finished or during um, was was a tragedy. You know, he was a very talented, talented man. But because he brought such a wonderful homespun charm to everything he did, that's kind of the guy that I met outside the studio. I, I really love this film, and, and I wanted to hear a couple of your favorites in, in the film. So did you have a favorite character besides uh, Dr. Sweet that you just thought was too funny? Moliere. Or... <laughs> Moliere. Are you kidding me? And Vinny? Are you, I mean, you know... I'm gonna say money. I mean, you know, come on. It's just, <laughs> it, it, and and, and cookie, you know, got your mayor's beans, lard, coke, and You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, and then James Garner with the, you know, the voice that could cut through steel. <laughs> just, these are, you know, as we talk about it. Obviously, you can see my passion for this movie. But but on my top, my top three would be um, Moliere, Vinny. And Audrey. Did you attend the opening premiere for this film? At I think it was I at was. the El Capitan. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was at the, the premiere with my daughter and a friend of hers and my wife. And you know, Disney does it right, man. They have um, live performances beforehand, and then they have uh, you know beautiful rollout of the movie with a live orchestra. And then at the end, we go back to a cordoned off area where there's a whole park, you know, dedicated to the theme of this movie, whether it's Atlantis or whether it was Tarzan or whether it was whatever. Disney just does it right. They they got it. My father, Greg Morris, who was in the original Mission Impossible series um, in the 60s, uh, was very good friends with James Garner and, and his brother um, and played golf with his brother all the time. So I, they came to our house, you know, my whole growing up period. So I knew him well. I had met Michael J. Fox only after we wrapped the movie. I never met him during the recording. So to meet him at the kind of breakfast beforehand, we all met at, um, I think, in Century City. And, you know, all the cast was there and, and everybody met everybody else. And then we all went to the premiere and it was pretty fantastic. You know, you, you kind of mentioned beforehand that we were going to do a television series that ended up being kind of like a mini movie or a, a straight to video movie. But, um, you know, Atlantis was, was, was highly thought of by, by Mr. Eisner and, and Mr. Disney at the time, who was still alive. And um, I, I think it was a weird time, you know, the, the week before Shrek came out and there was a lot of Disney bashing in that movie. And, you know, Shrek was kind of the cool kid on the block. And, you know, if you liked that, you couldn't kind of like Disney. And so it did really didn't matter 
the content of our movie because they had stomp, you know, stamped the logo Disney on it. And for some reason, people were hating on Disney. And it came around the same time as Atlantis. So it was easy to take pot shots. You know? And they were like, oh, yeah, and they don't sing in it. You know, there's no dancing fish. <laughs> so um, I think we were just a victim of, of bad timing uh, in a way. And uh, the movie could have been m- much, much bigger and, and much more um, well-received. There, Disney is uh, deciding to recreate some of their classic animated films as live-action films. So mm. if there was a chance, Atlantis would be selected as that one to get its own live-action film. Has there, is there anybody in your mind you'd be like, automatically, that would be Dr. Sweet. I would choose them. If I couldn't do it, I would love mm-hmm. to see you do it, Phil. Uh, but if, if mm-hmm. you couldn't do it, who would you love to see in that role? Well, I'm going to give a shout-out to this man, even though he has unfortunately passed away. Michael Clark Duncan, who was the actor who played the character in The Green Mile, um, would have been a perfect choice. He's a big... Physically, I'm not Dr. Sweet. Dr. Sweet's a big, imposing you know, bear of a man. Um, I have that voice, but I don't have that, that stature. So somebody like that would be brilliant. Um, maybe Ving Rhames. He's got the voice. He's got the bearing. You know, he looks good bald. <laughs> 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 so there, I'll, I'll, I'll stay with Ving. Now, if you, if you got to Atlantis, let's say Atlantis was real. Uh, we got to see a lot of Atlantis, but not too much. But from what you saw in the film, uh, was there one thing you'd be like, oh, you know what, I'm going to go straight to that and do that first. You know, I want to see this site, or I want to ride one of the fish, or I want to, you know, find out more about the history. Yeah, I think for, you know, I'm a bit of a Dr. Sweet guy, so I'm a historian. So I would want to know about the architecture and how it came to be and, um, the evolution of the people and how, you know, they they evolved and and uh, I think that would be the most interesting thing to me and to Doctor Sweet. You know, riding the fish would be a great thrill, but how did they get there? How were they? Why are they that way? Why is this whole place this way and nowhere else in the world is like this? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, um, some latest projects you've done for Disney. Girl Meets World as Agent Lachance, mm. uh, Sophie mm-hmm. the First as Plank, mm-hmm. Shake It Up. Are, are you are you just having a really good time, you know, participating in these, you know, weekly episodes? I am, actually. And, and um, I didn't know how much fun I was actually going to have with it all. And I do a lot of stuff for Disney Imagineering. And, and I just uh, have a, a ride over at Disney World Epcot Center called GM Test Track. And uh, I'm the voice you hear from the moment you get on the ride to the moment you pick up your belongings. You're please, joking. Look around your seat. No. You're, oh, my it's, goodness. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it's a great ride. It's very popular. And I just went wow. back in and revoiced some lines for security purposes and seatbelt safety and stuff like that that have changed over the years with the ride. So I'm all over the Disney universe. I am. Um, I've actually done a pilot that I don't know if they picked up called Boys in Blue for Disney that we were waiting to see if they, they were going to pick up this month or not. So we'll see if next week or so they, they pick it up. But I'm all over the Disney universe. I love their product. Um, they have a lot of good characters for me <laughs> to play. Um, and uh, I'm a bit of a child myself, Tammy, so it's always fun. And I have to say about Girl Meets World, because you mentioned Girl Meets World, if I may, um, Will Friedel, a good, really good friend of mine, an actor who's also on the show, wrote that episode. And he wrote that character for me. And um, that was awesome to be able to play with a friend of yours who's writing something for a place that you love working and you go in there and you have the best time. And Tammy, I just have the best life sometimes. And 
I had to give my shout out to Will. Since you're such an amazing Disney fan, we'll have some great theme questions. They're called the Fab Three. So we'll start with the Donald one, which is as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to watch? Pinocchio. The animation was brilliant, brilliant artwork. And as a child, I got it. I got this. This was different. You know what I mean? This is it. I, I understood clearly that there was a there was a step off when I was watching these films. So absolutely Pinocchio, which as a child and a young boy especially, uh, resonated. And our goofy question, besides the Atlantis characters, what Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Maybe Aladdin and Thumper. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's Bambi's Jiminy Cricket. Uh, and our Mickey it. question, if I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? Whistle while you work, right? And with what I do and the work I do, I'm pretty much always whistling. Well, thank you again for coming on the show, Phil. Listeners, please go ahead and follow Phil on Twitter at... Yep, e. Phil Morris. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Thanks so much, Tammy, from your mouth to Mickey's ears. And thanks so much for the fans for listening and loving the movie. story. Trust me on this one. You don't want to know. Audrey, don't tell him. You shouldn't have told me, but you did. And now I'm telling you, you don't want to know.